it's crazy. Um, some days things just go crazy, don't they? Um, I just feel like so much stuff is uh, distracting. It'll fit the sermon, I guess, but we'll be good. Um, anybody invite anybody to uh, Easter yet? Anybody know anybody you can invite? Go for it. Um, I'm going to share some things about it today. Uh, we're gonna t- any, let me ask you, how many of you have ever climbed a tree? Who's ever climbed a tree? Raise your hands. Keep them up. Now, keep them up if you've climbed a tree in the last 10 years. Keep them up if you've climbed a tree in the last five years. Keep them up if you've climbed a tree in the last year. What, what if you climbed a tree in the last six months? Anybody? Hey, hey, huh? Oh, sure, yeah, hunting. There we go, okay. Anybody climbed a tree in the last week? All right, so somewhere in between a week and, uh, and uh, six months. Wow, that's more adults climbing trees than I thought. Uh, who knows, maybe it's one of those verses in Scripture, like uh, there's one called Better to Live on the Corner of a Roof than to Live with a Quarrelsome Wife. Maybe some of you are out on the, in the tree um, because of that. I don't know. But um, we're going to continue our series today. Um, by the way, I do need to mention um, one of the things, if you saw some people running around here, uh, we had some double booking um, that occurred uh, that usually we have the cafeteria, um, the school double booked and didn't let us know or them know. And so if you look, go to look for your children, it's a bunch of older people playing soccer. Um, you'll, you'll wonder that we didn't change them in, into large children. Um, we, they're over by the media center, and usually they'll bring them back here, but we had to deal with some of those uh, issues and make sure they're there. Tom and some others are, are taking care of that, so we, we'll, we'll work with it. But anyway... Um, we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. One of my favorite stories about a guy climbing a tree. Uh, and, and anytime I climb a tree, I think of Zacchaeus because I too am a short guy. Um, and trying to climb a tree is not the most easy thing. I could have opened the wall there. There's a rock climbing wall. And we can see all those tree climbers, how good you are on a rock climbing wall. And make you climb during uh, the service. But I decided not to. But as, I, as I've been looking... Uh, I was thinking this. When this comes down to it, it's a story about rescue. And we like rescue stories. I have two dates in your bulletin. And before I, I have them put the slide up, I'm going to go ahead and give you this date. Um, August 5th, 2010. Do you remember what happened during that date? It's a rescue day. Think, 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 think. Anybody getting a guess? What? Nope. Not the Hudson. Ready? Here we go. You forget about these guys? Chilean miners. Remember them? Underground for a long, long time. And they had, all the world was watching. Um, now, those of you who are as old as I am or older, you will remember this other date. I'm not going to put this, we're not going to put the slide up, but the uh, October 5th, 1987. Some of you are like, I don't remember that. I wasn't even born. Baby Jessica, put it up here. Remember this? It was an interesting time. Still to this day, 20 plus years later, this story is the eighth top watch news program of all time. Still today. This, that, that includes 9-11 and many other things. Um, why? Well, what was interesting, there was a fledgling group just starting out, starting to get its legs called CNN. And everybody, for the first time, was watching CNN. Um, she's older, married, has children of her own. Um, it's really kind of interesting. But baby Jessica was at her aunt's house on this day and, uh, and fell into an 8-inch uh, pipe. She was 18 months old, fell into an 8-inch pipe that was left open that went to a well. She fell some 22 feet down below. 
and was wedged in. If she had continued down, there was water in there, she would have drowned and died. Um, and they ended up rescuing her. She was in there for 59 hours. 59 hours in a, in a pipe. Um, and all the world was watching and connecting. So it was a neat, um, a, a neat experience that many of us remember. She still has a scar on her forehead uh, still today from that event. But we like rescue stories, don't we? I think, Larry, you mentioned one too, the miracle on the Hudson um, and all those kind of things. We like stories of rescue. Many of us were glued to when that little boy was abducted recently, and we all just had a great sigh of relief that he was rescued, and, and uh, at least physically, uh, to this uh, area, unharmed and, and not dying, although he will probably have to go through a lot of counseling and other types of things over the years. But we like rescue stories. And this is a rescue story, and it's right here. And Robin read it for us today. I'm going to reiterate it again just to make sure we're all together on what happens here. And um, it's printed in your bulletin, so I will refer back to that during the time. But we're going to be talking about Luke 19, verses um, 1 through 10. And I still remember from being a kid in Sunday school, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. How many of you like to go down in history as being a wee little person? Um, but um, I, just, I just have always remembered this. And let's look at some of this story, this account here. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short and could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore fig tree um, to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once he welcomed him gladly and all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to, the, to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has um, come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Now, we, as we stop there, I begin to say that last section of scripture that's there. The son of man came, came to seek and save those who were lost. And I begin to ask myself, why in the world would Jesus give his mission statement, really that's what it is, his mission statement to a, guy, a little short guy who shimmied up a tree just to see him? What in the world does this have to do with anything? You ever, I mean, it's like one of these accounts that you're like, why is this here? But, you know, we love to teach Sunday school about Zacchaeus, don't we? How many of you first learned about Zacchaeus in Sunday school? Or something? We love to hear. How many of you ever heard a sermon about Zacchaeus climbing a tree? Okay? We've, we've, we love this story for some reason. And it's about a little guy shimmying up a tree to see Jesus. But there's much, much more to that too. It has the crux of Jesus' relationship and the reason why he came in saying, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. So what I did in this section, I began to look in this scripture for the first time and I began to look and say, thank you, Chris. Somebody spelled something? That's okay. We're good. We're good. Thank you, Chris. He takes care of me. I'll, we'll get it later. Um, so here we go. Zacchaeus is here, and he says, The Son of Man came to seek and save that was what was lost. First thing I find out, and I begin to take a different approach to this. I begin to say, 
I, I've always focused on Zacchaeus climbing a tree. I've always focused on Zacchaeus, and we're going to talk just a brief bit about him. But this time I wanted to focus on just, as a third party, just standing out looking at this, I wanted to focus some on Jesus and some on Zacchaeus. And here's what I found out. Number one, I believe that we live in a world that is dying to see who Jesus is, who Jesus really is. What do I mean by that? Let's look at what happened, at what it says. Look at your first page. It says, a man was there whose name, Zacchaeus, he was a chief, uh, chief tax collector and he was wealthy. And in verse 3, he wanted to see who Jesus was. And I believe we live in a world that people want to really see who Jesus is. Some of us, you know, Jesus has been everything from a hippie to a political radical, radical, uh, leader to a radical person who shifts the change of time. He's been a person who tends to, uh, you, you guys remember the Jesus of the early 70s and the late 60s? Jesus is just all right with me. He's cool, man, right? Oh, Jesus and I are cool, you know, like that. And then we have him up in stained glass and with, you know, all kinds of glory and majesty. So who really is Jesus? And we want, there's, the world wants to see that. They want to hear and see. You see, Zacchaeus wanted to go and find out, are the claims to be true? I bet he probably said, wait a second, is this true what I hear about Jesus? And as he began to hear that, there may be people here today that are saying, I want to see who Jesus is. Is Jesus really who he's cracked up to be? Is he the person that can heal my broken relationship? Is he the person that can heal my broken heart? Is he the person that can help my financial disaster? Is he the person that can give me peace, even if I'm dealing with those circumstances? Who is Jesus? Who really is he for my life? Or is he just some person that lives long ago and we have great stories about? You know, we're coming up to Easter, and I guarantee you, Time and Newsweek will have that article again. Who is Jesus? They roll it out every year. Jesus makes Time Magazine and Newsweek every year. And it's always somebody else giving a different approach on who he is. The world, and, and what I began to say, well, how can we show Jesus to the Zacchaeus, Zacchaei, I guess we could say, that are running around in the world today? How can we do that? I, I believe that people see Jesus through anymore, not only in, in what we say, but in what we do. The world looks to the followers of Jesus and asks the same thing. Can I see Jesus in your life? Can I see Jesus helping in those areas I, pre- I previously mentioned? Can I see that given in you? In other words, is Jesus really, really that good? And one of the things that I find out more and more is often in the church in general, and, in, and honestly in my experience, um, I, I say, I've seen people look at Jesus and they see different things. There's a great book. If you want to look about the, the, um, a thing that really unpacks the church and how it's viewed by the world, there's a neat book by a guy named, um, called Unchristian by a guy named David Kinnaman. And um, I, have a, I have a picture of him up here, David Kinnaman. And David Kinnaman writes in this book. It's a very good book. Very, very good. Um, and I'm not a big reader. I don't I read, but I don't, it's not like my favorite thing. I just have five minutes to read. I don't do that. But it's a really good book about the church and the image of the church. And one of the things Kinnaman says, Kinnaman worked for um, the Barna Group, which does church statistics. And one of the things he says is, Christianity has an image problem. He said 40% of outsiders had a bad or negative impression on Christianity. Basically from two areas. The two areas are this, from negative church experiences... 
Let me just ask real quick, has anybody in here ever had a negative church experience? Raise your hand. Okay. Um, and negative experience with people who profess to be Christians in their relationships. How many of you have had that experience with people who profess to be Christians but have treated you maybe a little bit unchristian? Anybody? All right. So we're just, we're just keep plugging through, I guess, because a lot of people say that's the deal breaker for me. I have people who say they love the Lord, but the worst thing that they said is those things have created for them a negative impression of Christ and who he is. So for them, they say, if that's who Jesus is, then I want no parts of it. And that's extremely tragic. Now you may say, okay, 40% or whatever. What that comes to is about 50 million unchurched people in that percentage. There are so many things that go on that when we, when we look at this and we begin to unpack and when we begin to ask ourselves the question, and I have this printed in your bulletin, when the church starts to look like Jesus, then the world starts to look to the church. Uh, the thing that caused Jesus to gra- have people gravitate to him in the first place was because he was, he, he was different than anything else that was out there. Because he is God. And so people began to say, hey, this is different this is new. Not, not only new, but it's real and it's truth. And in a world that we have so, much, so many things passed around, it is very crazy. I was living through some of this this week as I met with a friend of mine, a guy who was um, in a former church situation that I was in in Delaware. And he was a very good friend of mine, still is a good friend of mine, went, has gone, you know, had his own struggles and, uh, over life like everybody does. And I was meeting with him, and he was with me when I went through a lot of the turmoil of everything. And one of the things he mentioned to me, he's in a really awesome church now um, and with a, with a spirit-filled leader, and the Holy Spirit really moves in this church. Um, a former mentor of mine was the leader, of the, the founder of this church. And as I was talking with him, he said, you know, how, how a lot of the feelings that he dealt with from people, how I was treated and how he was treated because of me, left him feeling very hurt and caused him to enter into, into things in areas that it would have never been. And he said, I, he made this statement to me. He said, I really didn't realize how much you meant to me in being my pastor at that point. And it just kind of took me to a, to a place because as I was being his pastor, I was in a part of my own turmoil dealing with administration and other kinds of things. And it took me to a point where I just, that I realized that in the midst of my struggle, like that song that Fred just sang, in the midst of my struggle in serving God, he was ministering to other people and to me as well. That enabled me to be strong enough to carry on with what God wanted me to do. And, and what he was telling me is that he was seeing Christ in me, in my struggle, and it's what helped him come through that area. And then I started thinking about, we all we need to do that for Jesus. We all need to be there for Jesus. Look what it says in John, 1 John chapter 5. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. In other words, there is so much at stake when we look at why we need to be like Christ. We need to show people and represent Christ in our, in our world and in our lives. Look at this other verse from, uh, second, from 1 Peter 
chapter 2. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God until the day in which he visits us. You see, people are always watching you. Anybody people watchers? I love to just kind of sit back and watch people. And you know, people do some really weird things. Don't they? People watching is, is very interesting. It's going to lead, kind of segue into our, our other area. Um, anybody see this? What is this? It's a leg. And I actually got, where do you think I got this? I wish. No, where do you think I got it? No, not Walmart. How do we get from Hawaii to Walmart? That was pretty quick. You know? If, it sounds like my life. I, that's a, that would be, if, if I ever get to Hawaii, that could be like my, my autobiography from from Walmart to Hawaii, you know, um, or Hawaii to Walmart. Um, where else do you think I got it? Okay. Nope. Nope. What? Disney? No. Okay, you guys will never get this. Okay, here we go. I got this at a church event in California. Closer, closer to Hawaii than Walmart, but still. And I want to tell you, I got this for winning a dance contest. Yes, David is not the only scriptural person who can dance, right? And it was an unusual dance. I was there with several other clergy when I was in the United Methodist Church. And, um, and they, they had this thing. It was, they, it was, the conference was a part Southern California, part Polynesian islands. And so at one event, they had young people that were there, and they came out, and they were dancing. So they asked me to go up with them, and I said, sure. Now the other ministers, no, 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 no. But there was this one other thing that was really cool about this and unusual about this. Keep in mind, you have a whole bunch of clergy around. And if anybody see my colleagues, you'll understand what I'm talking about. And there's some really nice people there, but still, it was, it was odd. They, it was, was odd to them. They had Polynesian, Polynesian people, and they were bringing their culture to the church, and it came time for the offering. Now, Here's how they took offering in the Polynesian culture. Are you ready for this? You have young men and women who are in like the Polynesian garb, like more like a bikini, something you see at the beach, and they're oiled up, and you stick money to them. <laughs> My gosh, I said, I bet you your attendance is really good at most people. And I bet you people are giving all the time, you know, counting $1 bills, you know, um, so they were taking an offering, and they wanted people to give. And you should have seen the people, the, the clergy going, oh, no, 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 no. And then there's me. And I'm like, all right. And I, I reach in, and I was like, there you go. I'm just putting it on there. And they said, oh, you got to stay up here and dance with us. So they started dancing. And there's this big Polynesian lady, and she's like, and I got up there, and I was like dancing with her. I was like shimmying. And then they gave me this lay. Isn't that cool? You know, What? Show you what. I've already stripped down in church last year on uh, Palm Sunday. So, almost a year ago, I stripped down in church. Okay. Um, what I find out, though, is there were, they were all Christian people, but because of our preconceived notions about how God works, we, most of the people couldn't get out of their churchiness in order to celebrate God's presence. Last time I checked, God didn't bring me in this 
world clothed in a, in a onesie. He brought me in butt naked, and butt naked is how I'm going to end out. You know, I'll put clothes on. I told Melissa, don't bury me in a suit. I don't like suits. Um, but what I'm saying is, we have so many pre- preconceived notions about how God does stuff and what God does about stuff, that my whole thing was, here is other people that are members of the body of Christ, and we're not celebrating God the way they do because we believe God can only work this way. And because we equate it with our own evil thoughts that they're given a strip club to take money in church is really what was going on. But it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the way they celebrated and worshiped God. And what I realized about this is brought us to the second part of it. That the intersections in our life are extremely important. That God brings people into our lives. And usually it is when we don't expect that. Remember we were talking last week about the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus. And we were talking about how he was constantly being interrupted. And how I mentioned during the week, those interruptions, do we look at them as an obstacle or do we look at them as a blessing from God that we can use? And I can tell you, there, there are times when, when I'm just like, the, the interruptions just drive me crazy. Like today, there's been some interruptions. And you know, it was really fun. During, during the, the prayer and joys time, I wanted to share with you. But with the double booking of the school, I'm over there and I'm pulling on the door and I see people playing soccer. And I'm like ready to go in and say, get out. You know what I mean? And that was my thing. But then I had a nice little conversation with the guy. He's pretty cool. And Tom Tom and I were talking to him. And I was like, no, 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 I don't blame you. It's it's all good. We were talking. And at that moment, that could be an intersection that interfered with the schedule that I worked so very hard to put together to think that God only can work through this, that maybe what God wanted me to do is to walk out and to meet this person and to talk to him. Maybe he's got something going on in his life that he needs to know Jesus even a little bit more. And maybe my meme, like being a complete, if I was a complete imbecile and butthole, like I can be at times, yes, the minister said butthole, um, it, I go out there, that one ends up happening, I may shove him further away. That is what the Pharisees we talk about in the Bible did to Jesus and the other followers. Am I right? That interruption could have been a God-divine moment. And my life and our schedule is not so important that it's above what God wants to intersect in my life. I asked you this past week to think about somebody who you come across. Are there people there that, that, that need Jesus? And I hope some of you really took that to heart and said, yeah, I ran across some people this week. I want you to reach out to them and to connect with them. The intersections in our life are more important than we ever imagined. As I was just thinking about this, Jesus, what's that first scripture lesson say? What's verse 1 say in, in, our, in, in, in uh, that verse? Jesus entered Jericho and was what? He was what? Passing through. How many of you just been passing through? How many of you after church got to go to Walmart to get, get a back, uh, pack of gum? How many want to go to Hawaii? I'll go with you. How many of you have something you have to do and you've got your eyes on point A, point B? And some, and I will guarantee you, I got to be honest, this is confession time. I saw someone, no one from here, but I saw somebody from a distance at Walmart the other day and I knew if they saw me, it was going to be a two, an hour conversation. I knew it. And I, looked, I literally looked at my clock, my watch, and went, uh-uh. And went the other way. Isn't that bad? Go ahead. Tell me it's bad. I'm confessing. You guys know you did it, too. You probably do it when you see me. I can guarantee you you do it. Because <laughs> you know I can talk. And, 
and if Jeff and I see each other, our kids are dragging us the other way and, and spouses because they know we're going to talk. But, you know, I just knew that it was going to be a discussion. Now I touch base with the person later, don't worry, because I felt guilty. That's why I'm sharing it. I wouldn't share it with you if I didn't feel guilty. Um, but what I'm saying is there's moments that we are so on, focused on there that we, we say, forget it. I don't have time for it because I've got to get this. What if, that was a, what if that moment was a God moment that I missed out on because what I have is too important in my intersections in life? Let's look at this some more. Um, as we look at these intersections in life, the scripture lesson from Colossians rings uh, very true. I mean, I've got I to be honest, too, as part of this before I get to Colossians. There are times in my life when I have an intersection that I don't want you guys to see me. Like the other day, you know, you know, what, you know what is the devil's uh, way of letting people know how you really are? It's called your children FaceTime. Anybody know what FaceTime is? FaceTime is like you can, like on your phones or iPods with a Wi-Fi connection, you can look at each other. And my kids do it when we don't know. I, I see a lot of faces like, oh my, I'd hate to have that happen in my house. Oh, yeah. The other day, I was, I was goofing around with my daughter, Hannah, and, and she wanted to go to praise team. And I'm going, no! And I'm like being goofy. I'm yelling at her. And all of a sudden, I look, I see Wayne's face on there. I'm like, oh, gosh, did I say anything bad? You know what I mean? Don't you ever feel like that? Let me ask you, if you had FaceTime on, and you did not know, would you love all the conversations you had? I'm saying I don't want people to see me sometimes. When stuff doesn't go my way, I don't want you to see me in my intersection because my intersection can be a bad one. I remember when we were going to Lewis, I was in my car. We were going to look for a house, and my car broke down right on 896, right there by Glasgow Reform Presbyterian. We were emotional as it was. I was frustrated. I, my car broke down. I'm leaning my head out the window. I'm yelling at people to and I just completely lost my brain, and I was just being aggravated, and Judy had to come and rescue us. I was frustrated and aggravated. And that, Anybody else get frustrated and aggravated? Anybody ever, you know, there are moments in my life, there are moments in our lives that we don't want people to see. Like, you know, if my kids grabbed my phone and dropped it in the toilet, I don't think I'd be like, oh, hallelujah, halo. Actually, I probably would. I'd say, yeah, now iPhone 5. Yeah. Uh, you know. uh, but, you know, you have those moments that if, we, if every week we put up on the screen and said, Here we, here's my intersection this week, we'd be like, Ugh. Our, But our intersections are so important because I believe that's good so that we can see those things. Look at what it says in Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everybody. Wow, that's tough. That is so tough. Look, look at what that, that verse has in here. Always be wise in the way you act. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation, how many every conversation you had this week was full of love and grace? All right, I can see you have some uh, FaceTime moments as well. Those intersections are important in our life. Third thing. Eternity is worth the effort. You see, when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, he didn't see a little short guy shimmying up a tree, holding on to a branch. What he saw was that as a tax collector, tax collectors during the time, they were actually under the rabbinical banishment that they weren't allowed in the synagogue because they were tax collectors. And what tax collectors did, everybody excited about paying your taxes? 
No, nobody is. If the IRS said, hey, here I am, they got to do a job. It's their job. It's awesome for them. But how many of you like, how many of you like seeing how much you're losing? Or how much you're paying somewhere, you know? We don't like that. What they used to do then is, imagine if the, you had to meet with an IRS person, a local IRS person, and they took some extra money off the top and jacked it up a couple percentage. And then imagine they went to a, a district or a regional one and they took some more money. And, and all this got trickled down to guess who? You. And this is what was happening. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. In that realm, he was the chief crook. But Jesus wasn't looking to that. What he was looking at is somebody whose eternity was in the balance. And he wanted to form a relationship with him. He saw a man who needed to know him. In his book, Just a Walk Across the Room, by Bill Hybels, the founder of Willow Creek Church, and also the one who did The Contagious Christian. Some of you remember when we did that as a small group. He gave an analogy where he said, every day we take 10,000 steps. That is... Uh, 115,000 miles in a lifetime. That would mean that we travel in a lifetime four times around the earth. What if just 10 of those steps could save someone's life for eternity? Would you take them? In there, he tells a story of a Muslim man who was at a business meeting, and he was talking with a group, and as he was at this business meeting... He, this one guy walked over to him, and they started talking, and they started talking some more. And then they got pretty close and started to become friends at this event. And they started talking, and, he, and they got to the topic of religion. The man said he was a Muslim, and he said, well, he was a Christian. And they became a good friends. And now this man came over to Bill Hybels and said, um, I just want to tell you, this man said he had read your book about 10, 10 steps across the room. And he felt when he saw me that God was just leading him to take 10 steps. I was about 10 steps away, and he said, it's changed my life. I am now a Christian. I believe in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. 10 steps at a business meeting. It wasn't at a church. Just 10 steps. You see, as it says in Philemon, right here, Philemon chapter 1, I pray that your partnership with us in faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Jesus Christ. We need to be ready to share Jesus just a couple steps across the room. Because I believe when we get to heaven, God's going to ask us two questions, and I've heard this several times. Number one is, what have you done with my son? We've got to do something with Jesus. Who is he? C.S. Lewis said he's either liar, lunatic, or he's the savior of the world. You've got to do something with him. You can't just ignore him. Many people try. You need to accept or reject him. And then the second question is this, who's coming with you? Who's coming with you? So you might say at this point, okay, I agree, God likes a rescue story, but how can I be part of this rescue story? Well, here we go. We need to practice radical inclusion. The tax collectors, as I said, were bad people. Jesus should not have spent any time with them. He was the chief. He was the big crook, according to people's uh, deal. When they said he couldn't get through the crowd, I bet you the crowd said, not you. Maybe give him a little elbow here, not wanting him around. Anybody ever felt that way towards somebody or... Anybody felt that way toward you? Okay. Of, of course. All right. Of course. Jesus wanted needed to include Zacchaeus. I think because he looked up in the tree and saw that everybody was around him. Everybody felt free to come near him. But Zacchaeus was left out. Out on a limb. I love that quote that I put on the front of your bulletin. Why not go out on the limb? That's where the fruit is. From Mark Twain. 
A lot of times we're not willing to go out on a limb to get those people who are, who've been out there and living out there. You see, when he goes to Zacchaeus' house, and you can look in verse 8, when the people are saying, he's eating with a sinner, he's a horrible person. Zacchaeus says, no, 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 wait, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody on anything, I will pay back four times the amount, which was the Jewish punishment if you rip somebody off. He's saying, here I am. Jesus never asked Zacchaeus to change before he went to him. You see, what the world does, here's what the world says. The world says we have to behave, then we believe, then we belong. And I'm saying a worldly view of the church, too. Okay, here you go. I want you to, number one, I want you to go ahead, change your behavior. Then you can believe in Jesus. Then you can belong to us. But Jesus has a totally different approach than the normal church does. What does Jesus say? Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house before he ever changes his behavior. He goes to his house, and Jesus told him, you belong. How many of you have ever in your life felt on the outside of a Christian environment or a church or, or something because of something people said or did, the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you act, the, what Bible you read, how you sing, how you do this. There, it, my life has been rampant about that. I had, a, I had one person who told me that, I've had several people that told me that they liked me better if I wore a robe. And I said, well, I guess you're not going to like me. Because I am who I am and I'm who God created me to be. He can clean up the mess that's there, but he's called me to do something in who he's molded me to be. I think we need to open our eyes and and begin to see that. There are people throughout the world that need to know Jesus that the church has just kept out. I heard a story one time that was shared by a man named Walt Collistad. He was leader of one of the largest churches in the Presbyterian church. He was going to speak. He had the largest Presbyterian church, Community Church of Joy in Phoenix or in Arizona in the Presbyterian church. And he... um, he ended up going, he was away, and all he had was a pair of shorts and like a t-shirt. So he went to the local Presbyterian church. And when he walked in the door, the person met him at the door and said, I think the church you're looking for is right down the road. He went to another church one time where he pulled in and there was no parking. So he pulled in and he pulled around and he said, well, it, oh, it looks like church started late, so I'm not going to go in. And as he pulled out, he saw somebody come to the door and point his finger up in the air, not telling him directions in a church. And this is the, lar- the pastor of the largest church of the denominations. What message are we giving in the church? We need to give the message that Jesus says you belong, you believe, and then you want to behave because you want to serve God. You behave in the way he calls you to do. So radical inclusion. Next thing is bold initiative. Say that with me. Oh, that's pretty lame. Let me see. Let me, Here we go. One, two, three. Bold initiative. Be bold. Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. So say I see you today and I say, guess what, kitty? Today I'm going to your house. Get something ready. That's pretty bold. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to your house today. Take that bold initiative. We need to do more than just the evangelism lifestyle. Evangelism is important when you do programs and you go and you serve. Serve fest, um, doing clairvoyant forms, those are all extremely important. But we need to look at our lives as one big evangelistic event. That everywhere we go, we need to be ready, to be bold, to share, uh, to share with people. We need to start living radical lives. In his book, 
as you can, uh, in this book, The Unchurched Next Door, Tom Renfer says that 82% of the unchurched will come, will say they will come if they're invited to church. 82%. That's, that's a ton, isn't it? 82%. Anybody know anybody who's unchurched? Guess what? 82% of them say that if you, if you say, hey, come to church, they will. You, the same people were asked... Well, actually, not the same people. The church people were asked, how many times have you um, asked someone to church? And you know what the percentage was? 2% of the church people said they've invited someone to church. 82% are saying, hey, we'll come if somebody that we know asks us. And 2% are saying, we asked somebody. Wow. We have the greatest news that ever existed. And we need to share that. With people. Look at what we, when we look at this and we open, look at this verse of scripture from Romans. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call, the one, uh, call on the one whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear with someone, without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And we have fantastic news. You see, the problem is we become so afraid of offending people that we end up not telling anybody. And Jesus offended everybody that day when he invited himself to their house. Last thing as I close today, as the praise team comes forward today, is we need to follow Jesus' invitation. Jesus' invitation was For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. There are still moments of my life that just aren't right. There are moments of your lives that aren't right. And yet, in it all, God decides to use us in a powerful way. When we were talking about baby Jessica and the Chilean Myers, how many of you, who do you think was more excited? The rescuers? When they pulled baby Jessica out or baby Jessica and her family? Who do you think was more happy? Who do you think was thrilled? I hear family. I heard some rescuers. You're right. They both were. If you can reach somebody for Jesus Christ to recognize that question that we're going to ask, that we're going to hear one day, what did you do with my son and who's coming with you? That's an important thing. That's a, that's a major importance to the faith of Christ. That last verse in Scripture down there is Peter. It should say, instead of Luke, it should say Acts chapter 2, 36 through 41. And Peter's speaking, and he says, God made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And he says the people were cut to the heart. He's speaking to the same pe- crowd that a week or several days before, you know, a month before had said, crucify him. And now he's talking to them again. He's saying, you guys messed, missed it. He was here. And what the scripture says, they were cut to the heart and said, what do we do? There's people in your life that just need to know and hear a word from, from God about you. They need an encounter with Christ from you. They need you to be bold and just share what you share. We get so caught up in how to share and what's the right thing to say. Just share with them. I, I, you mind if I tell you something today? And they say, see, I said that, and people were looking down, looked up. When I said, can I share something with you today? I just want to tell you, I've been praying for you. I don't know whether you care, but I've been praying for you. One of the things I've learned is when God puts somebody on my heart, in my mind, I pick up the phone and I call them. 
God put me on your heart today. And I just want to let you know, I'm, I'm saying a prayer for you. I'll send a text to someone. This week, God put a couple of people in my head, and I sent a text and said, I'm just praying for you mm-hmm. today. And that person responded and said, you don't know how much I needed that right now. I got a lot of craziness going on at work right now, and it's a bad situation. Thank you. Good to know. You see, God knows. God knows more than I do. And you know what? If it takes us taking an offering next week with uh, some Polynesian garb on and some oil, I'm game. Um, hey, maybe that could be a fundraiser for the new church. <laughs> the, uh, if, if, uh, it'll be, if I keep on more clothing, then you, uh, then you get more money. You know what I mean? But the main thing is, we got to see the people in the world and just we got to be for, for the we say every week a communion we don't have it today it's misprint and bulletin but a communion every, every year I say to you every week a month we do communion I say to you make us be for us the body of Christ redeemed as Fred sang earlier redeemed by his blood and that's what I want for us we're going to head in another direction um, probably next week we, um, may, we may tap into some of this Bible stuff we're going to be heading down the road toward Easter and some of you are here today and you've never You've been hanging out on a limb and you're not seeing Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. If you'll stand as we're led today in this song. Um, just God be with us right here right now. And if there's somebody who's out on a limb looking for you, I pray that they'll see it um, today. I pray for those failed times that I've messed up. Those intersections that I've messed up. And I, I want to thank you for the opportunities that you're going to give me this week. To have intersections where people can, I can connect with and maybe share you. And so God, as we have this prayer time... Minister to us in a powerful way, for we love you, Lord. Amen.